Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast again. This is Elder David Wise here with you on the program this morning. And we'd like to welcome you and invite you to our churches that support this program, Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. You can go to our website, macedonia-pbc.org, and also Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church on Wolf Road outside Caledonia, Mississippi. And both of our churches meet for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We also have a joint worship service in Starkville, Mississippi on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. And also messages are live streamed on Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page. So be sure and go and like Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page to get notifications of live streams, both on Wednesday night and also Sunday morning worship is live streamed at Sulphur Springs as well. You can go to our website that supports this program, gospel-of-grace.com and subscribe to our podcast so you get notification on your smartphone and find past messages and maybe find a church that may be closer to you if you're not in the North Mississippi area. Also, go and be sure and download Grace Alone Radio app, a 24-7 Primitive Baptist Christian streaming service with good preaching, singing, scripture reading, and other beneficial content. We're very thankful to have the ability to bring these messages to you through our radio partners and also through the internet and through podcast. And we certainly hope our efforts are beneficial for you. And it's a great blessing to be able to discuss God's word with you in this way. Today, we would like to continue our thoughts on prayer and how we ought to be praying unto the Lord and growing in our prayer life. So we hope that you can stay tuned with us here on the program today. We'll bring the message right after the song and hope the content can be beneficial and edifying for you this morning. Yeah. 
morning. Thank you for tuning in and staying with us on the Gospel of Grace broadcast. We'd like to return our thoughts to prayer, and particularly we'd like to focus this morning on the prayers of the early church. We bring this program from the Primitive Baptist Church, and just in case you ever wonder what that means, primitive simply means original. So we try to uphold the tenets and the practice and the doctrine of what we see of the original church, the original Baptist church in the New Testament scriptures, and we have a beautiful beautiful picture of what the primitive original Baptist church looks like in the Acts of the Apostles. Certainly we have that picture all throughout the New Testament, but particularly in the Acts of the Apostles. So this morning we'd like to focus on the environment of prayer that we see in the early church. You remember that Jesus said, particularly he quoted this as he was purging out the temple, the God's designated location and house of worship at that time, that it was not a house of prayer, as he said it ought to have been. Instead, it had become a house of merchandise. And that's quoted from the Old Testament. So we know that the church is supposed to be a house of of prayer, and certainly we pray during our public worship service, but the church is only a house of prayer if God's people are praying continuously and throughout the week. In other words, we're not a house of prayer simply because we offer public prayer once a week on Lord's Day worship. So the environment of the church is supposed to be an environment of prayer. And I believe we'll be able to see that through the Acts of the Apostles, looking at the prayers of the early original Baptist church. So first of all, here in Acts chapter 1, right after the ascension of Jesus Christ, Jesus has just went up into heaven. What was the response of the church as they've been told to wait? Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection teaching the apostles. So we have a 40-day period, and then there's a gap between that and the day of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50, which means it was usually 50 days after the Passover. So there was a period of roughly 10 days where Jesus said, wait on the Holy Spirit, but they didn't really know what they needed to be doing, right? They were waiting, but without clarity in that waiting. So what was the church doing when Jesus ascended and they were waiting on the direction of the Lord and waiting on the direction of the Holy Spirit? What was the response for the early church when they were waiting on direction and guidance in the will of God? Well, they met together to pray. Acts chapter 1. Again, I want you to notice the significance of this. What is the first action of the church? Meeting together collectively after the ascension of Christ. What is the first action of the church? It's to meet together, to pray together. Acts chapter 1, verse 13, describes everyone that was there, the disciples being about 120. In verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication and with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now, particularly here throughout the rest of this chapter in Acts chapter 1, they were meeting in prayer for a specific purpose, which was to follow the leadership of God's will in choosing another apostle for Judas. And they ended up choosing Matthias. They were certainly praying for the Lord to direct them in that way, but also they just needed the communion of the Holy Ghost in prayer, right? Notice they met collectively together. It was a prayer meeting of the early church. Then we find in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost comes down with power and Peter preaches and 3,000 people are added to the church. And what do we see here in Acts chapter 2 and in verse 42? 
what are the four identifying marks? What are the four core activities of the early original Baptist church? Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, they continued steadfastly primarily in four things, the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So God's house is supposed to be a house of prayer, right? And that was one of the four identifying characteristics of the early Baptist church is prayer. Praying individually, certainly we have a responsibility to pray without ceasing, to pray always and all things. We're told that quite a few times in the New Testament scriptures, but also meeting together to pray publicly. We saw that in Acts chapter 1, didn't we? They had a very important decision, and they didn't just make that decision on a whim, though they truly prayed in fervency, seeking the Lord's will, and the Lord answered that prayer and blessed them in that instance. But you see, God's people are supposed to be a praying people. The church being the house of prayer can only be the case if, if we individually, me and you, are praying diligently and fervently, steadfastly, right? They didn't just pray occasionally, they continued steadfastly. Again, not just in their private prayers, but meeting together to pray for guidance and direction in many other areas as well. Now we make our way to Acts chapter four. We have the first example of persecution of the church. The apostles have been thrown into prison and now they've been released and they were commanded to not preach anymore to not preach anymore in the name of Jesus in that community. And their initial response, again, what was the church's initial response to persecution? It was prayer. It was meeting together collectively to pray. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, And they being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and sea. We won't read all of this prayer, but particularly they prayed for boldness. Verse 29, that with all boldness that we may speak thy word. Verse 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And notice how the Lord affirmed his answer to this prayer by an earthquake, right? He literally shook the ground as a confirmation to the early church right in the aftermath of their initial persecution. He shook the earth as a confirmation that he heard their prayer. What did they pray for? They prayed for boldness. They didn't pray for comfort. They didn't pray to be protected from persecution. They weren't concerned about the effects. What did they pray for? They prayed for boldness. And what did God give them? He gave them boldness. How about that? Many times we have not because we ask not, right? They prayed for boldness. And what did God give them? He gave them boldness, right? And notice the unity that is created in the church when we pray collectively together. Again, not just in devotion in our private prayers, but when we pray collectively, we see a unity here. Verse 24, they prayed with one accord. And then the aftermath of this, verse 32, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. And then they gave of their possessions to provide for the poor, this amazing outpouring of grace in the early church. But we see, what is the church's response to persecution? It's to pray, right? It's to pray diligently unto the Lord. Then we make our way to Acts chapter 6, and we find the first internal conflict in the church, which is favoritism and cliques in the church. There appeared to be favoritism with neglecting the Grecian widows in the daily ministration. The apostles said, we're going to appoint seven men 
men, seven deacons to care for this daily ministration? And what was going to be the role of the apostles in this? Why were they appointing the deacons so they didn't have to necessarily provide for this business of caring for the widows? The apostles said in Acts chapter 6 and in verse 4, we're going to appoint men over this business so that we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You see, God has called the ministry for the church. He's called the ministry for you. He's called the ministry for the sheep. And I hope that you view the ministry in such a way that you want to relieve their hands to the best of your ability to where they can pray daily for you. I can just only imagine the prayer life of the Apostle Paul. We've considered this during this series, but he tells so many people, I am praying for you always. And these are just random people, so to say. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is not his family. These are not necessarily his best friends. These are churches he'd never been to before. How did Paul have the ability to pray like that? Why? Because he gave himself continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Instead, the ministry is so diluted by us having other obligations and not having the ability to devote ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's a lot of the reasons why our churches are weaker than they, than they should be is because of the lack of devotion in prayer of the ministry and also a lack of devotion of the ministry to the word too because we're supposed to be praying and giving ourselves to the ministry of the word. So God has ordained that one of the most important aspects of the ministry, the most important aspects of preachers is to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And who are we praying for? Who's a pastor praying for? Pastor's a shepherd. Who's the pastor praying for? He's praying for the sheep, isn't he? So the pastor is praying for you, and you need to be praying for your pastor because <laughs> God gave him a gift for your benefit. He gave him a preaching gift and a teaching gift for your benefit. He's praying for you if he's doing what he should be doing, and you should be praying for him so he's strengthened. God's guiding his studies, guiding his ministry of the word, and also guiding his prayers. You know, I would encourage you to be very open and honest with your pastors about the things that you stand in need of prayer for. You know, we've discussed previously, again, during this series on confessing your faults one to another. That doesn't mean you just dump all your problems on anybody you ever see, but I hope that you have a trust and a confidence, but also the proper perspective of the ministry that you tell your pastor when there is a specific need that you are standing in need of. Why? Because his ministry is to pray for you. Do you understand that? His ministry is to pray for you, and therefore I hope you don't neglect that. I hope that you tell your pastor when there's a specific need because he is called to give himself continually to prayer for you. Okay, so we see that disposition of the early apostles to give themselves continually to prayer to the ministry of the word. And we also have that responsibility today as well in the ministry to give ourselves continually to prayer for the church. In Acts chapter 12, we find Peter has been thrown into prison and Herod has just killed the apostle James. And the expectation is that Peter will probably be killed very soon because Herod saw it was very politically advantageous to kill James to the Jews. 
So therefore, he's probably going to continue to build political currency with the Jews by possibly killing Peter. So I want you to understand this is not just that Peter's in prison. That's unfortunate. We need to pray for someone if they're in prison, certainly from preaching the gospel and serving the Lord. But this is not just simply someone that's in prison. There's a reasonable expectation that Peter may be slain within a couple days, okay? So what is the church's response to that? There's a member, a minister that's in special need. We feel like he's possibly going to be martyred within a couple days if the Lord does not intervene. So what was the church's response to that? Acts chapter 10 and verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So certainly we have a responsibility. We know that from 1 Thessalonians 5, individually to pray without ceasing right? But when Peter was in a specific need, there's a member of the church that's enduring a great need. They are meeting together collectively in the house of John Mark's mother. They're meeting together collectively and prayer was made without ceasing for this circumstance. I know there've been quite a few circumstances where someone's in a severe medical condition that a prayer chain has been started. And I love that. We, we don't do that near enough to where someone, they designate certain times where certain people are actively praying for them at certain times during the day where there's a member of the church that is actively praying for them in a full 24-hour period. And I love that. We need to do that more often. We need to have those prayer chains where we have designated prayer and allocate out time to where there's a member of the church praying for a specific need at any given time because prayer was made without ceasing. And it's unfortunate that someone has to be in a severe medical problem or some other severe dire need before we get to the level of having that kind of a prayer chain. Well, we need to have that prayer chain all the time, right? We need to be praying for one another. There is a full-time job, a full-time ministry in praying one for another. We try to consider that in laboring fervently. So many older members that are elderly and not able to get out like they used to, that feel like they're not useful in the kingdom. Well, I'll tell you what, you have the ability to pray without ceasing for the church in a manner that some of us that have other responsibilities with work and with family and other obligations that occupy our time during the day, you have the ability to pray diligently, fervently, without ceasing, whereas some of the other of us is very distracted during the day. So, we need those godly sisters, right? We need those godly widows and widowers to pray without ceasing, especially, especially when the church is in a great time of need. And then we see the Lord mightily answering this prayer. And Peter is let out of prison. I mean, there's no way that you would think in a natural sense that Peter is going to walk out the front door of the prison. <laughs> but guess what? That's what God did, right? With men, these things aren't possible. With God, all things are possible, right? It's even possible for a man that may be killed the next day, being in prison, for him to walk out the front door of the prison. <laughs> and then the people were, were astonished when he actually showed up at the house where they were praying. So we need to pray diligently when there is people during time of need. We've certainly spent plenty of time in James chapter 5, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And we need to pray for those that are sick. Now we make our way to Acts chapter 13, and we find that Paul and Barnabas feel burdened of the Lord that they need to go and preach the gospel and what ends up being their first missionary trip. And then we find here in Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit not just clarified this burden for Paul and Barnabas individually, but for the entire church. So then what authority did they have to go on this trip? The apostles and the prophets and 
the teachers there in Antioch, it says in Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Fasting is oftentimes associated with earnest, sincere prayer and seeking the Lord's direction and guidance and blessing. And it's appropriate to do that, to fast with our prayer. So they ministered to the Lord and they fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. That's why in the Primitive Baptist Church, the means by which someone is ordained, and the word ordained simply means appointed, they're appointed for a work, just like Barnabas and Saul here were appointed for a work. So how is that appointment validated? Someone is ordained by the laying on of hands and prayer. And that's what we do in the Primitive Baptist Church. When someone is ordained to the work of the ministry, we have a group of elders, just like the prophets and teachers here, a group of elders assembled together. There's a time of validating his moral qualifications, a time of validating his soundness in the doctrine. But then after that, there is a laying on of hands and a ordination prayer that is commending them to the Lord in the work they've been called to. Well, where do we come up with that in the Primitive Baptist Church? Right out of the Bible, right? Because that's what the original Baptist Church did. So we see they're laying hands and praying over them, appointing them to the work that God had called them to. We make our way to Acts chapter 16 and the Apostle Paul. It doesn't describe prayer as much specifically in these verses leading up to him making his way to Macedonia, but no doubt Paul was. And I also believe it's in prayer that God oftentimes gives us clarity of opening closed doors. We see there in Acts chapter 16 that Paul originally desired to go to preach in Asia, but the Holy Ghost forbid him. And then he desired to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So how did he know that the Spirit didn't suffer them? You know, it's very possible that there could have been a physical limitation, but I believe it's more likely that during times of prayer and seeking the Lord's will, the Lord just laid such a heavy burden on Paul's heart and gave him clarity of the Holy Spirit to know this is a closed door. It's not of the Lord. So now they've had two closed doors, and I believe it was in prayer that he gave this vision to Paul Acts chapter 16, verse 9, there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him. You see, there was some people in Macedonia that were praying for the Lord to give them clarity. And then the Lord is working on the other end of the equation with Paul as he's praying to give him clarity that he needs to go to Macedonia. You see, that's why we have to pray for the direction of the Holy Spirit, particularly for the Lord to guide the ministry, both on the church side and on the pastor side especially churches that are choosing pastors. If you're a church that's without a pastor, you need to be having designated prayer meetings for that so that the Lord can work, hopefully, with one accord and in unity, with one heart and one soul. The church is in unity in prayer, and the Spirit should be guiding everyone in the same direction to give them clarity, both to know something is not right, like Asia and Bithynia, but also clarity to know something is right, as he sees this division of a man of Macedonia. Now, he sees a vision of a man of Macedonia, but it's very interesting when he makes his way over there. The first person he meets is Lydia, a seller of purple, and notice this language. Where did he go? He went by the riverside, Acts chapter 16, and in verse 13, they made the way to Macedonia, which is a region, but Philippi was the chief city of that region of Macedonia. So then in verse 13, and on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by the riverside, notice where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto them, and then they found Lydia, 
and these other women and whose heart the Lord had opened and they believed and they were baptized and the Lord blessed them mightily there in Philippi. But notice there were people there in Philippi that were praying for the Lord to send them a minister, just like Cornelius, right? We skipped over Acts chapter 10. Cornelius was praying for direction. His prayers and alms came up continually before the Lord. And what did the Lord do in answer to that prayer? He answered Peter's prayer on the other side of it, giving him a vision that he eventually went and preached the gospel to Cornelius, right? So we see how the Holy Spirit directs his people through prayer as we're seeking the Lord's will. And then one more as we close. In Acts chapter 20, Paul calls all of the Ephesian elders together in Miletus to pray unto them. And then as they're leaving, it gives them this charge. And as they're departing, he is burdened that he probably won't see them again in this life. He feels like he'll probably be martyred at Jerusalem. So he feels like this is probably the last time that he was going to see them Acts chapter 20 and verse 36. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and he prayed with them all. So he prayed with them as he's leaving there. So we find in the early New Testament church, they continued steadfastly in prayers. They truly lived out. The church is to be a house of prayer, praying individually, privately, ordination prayers, praying by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made, praying for members when they were in great need, praying in the aftermath of persecution. So we need to follow that example as the primitive original Baptist church today. We need to follow the pattern of the early church and continue steadfastly in prayers with one accord, with one soul, and in unity, praying together for the Lord's blessings in our life. We'll continue to make our way through these prayers in the Bible. hope these messages have been beneficial for you, and I hope that we can all grow in our prayer life each day, submitting to the Lord's will and praying fervently unto the Lord. May God bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast, entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.